there. Welcome to Louisiana Farm Life, a podcast where farmers tell their story, who they are, what they grow, why they do what they do, and even what they enjoy doing when they're able to get away from the farm. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and I grew up on a farm in Northeast Louisiana. Throughout the podcast, you may hear an extra voice enter the conversation. That voice is from one of our interns, Miss Lacey Dotson. She's a student at LSU right now, but she too was raised on a farm. Her family farms in Halton, Louisiana. Working at Louisiana Farm Bureau, my coworkers and I get to travel the state telling stories for farmers on our TV show this week in Louisiana agriculture. What we found is that there are a lot of interesting aspects that don't make it into the finished story you see on the show. This podcast is our way to more fully tell that story. Our hope is that you better understand the issues farmers face every single day and that he or she isn't that much different from you and I. We want this podcast to introduce you to the person that's not only that farmer, but the parent, the spouse, the conservationist, the volunteer fireman, the mechanic, the church deacon, the community leader who spends their days working the land, growing the food and fiber that we depend on every day. On each episode, I'll have a conversation with a farmer to discuss life on and around his or her farm. I love to chat with farmers about their farm and how they got to where they are today. It's just a lot of fun for me, and I hope you enjoy it as well. If you do, please leave us a review wherever you're listening right now and share it with a friend. You can also subscribe to hear the latest episode as soon as it comes out. On this episode, we chat with a young farm couple from central Louisiana that grows soybeans, hay, and cattle. They've had a tough time planting their soybeans on their farm this year that's been flooded by the backwaters of the Red River. We'll discuss that, but also how they're finding new markets for their cattle and their plans to grow that part of their business. I hope you enjoy meeting Robert and Rachel Duncan on Louisiana Farm Life. guys thanks for joining me today uh i've got robert and rachel here thanks for T- having us tell me about yourselves where are you from who are you uh start with you robert uh my name is robert duncan we we live in boys louisiana rapids parish um row crop and beef cattle farm well about uh, about how many head of cattle uh we have right at 200 head of mama cows and row crop about 450 acres. Gotcha. And Rachel, tell me about yourself. And I just married into it. <laughs> um, I do not have an agriculture background, but I'm loving every minute of it since Robert and I got together. Um, I help on the farm. I I mainly do stuff with the cows. Um, I leave the row crop stuff to them. So yeah, um, you were telling me earlier that cattle is kind of your the one you, the part you enjoy more. Yeah. What is it about? I cattle? think it's it's because it's more hands on. Um, as funny as it sounds, you kind of can build a relationship with the cows and they see you and, you know, get more and more gentle as they see you, whatnot. And so going out and feeding them. And then um, we started doing some feeder steers and being able to, you know, feed those and kind of get hands on with them. It's- Before we get too deep into the farming, you also have another full-time job yes i am a full-time wedding photographer in central louisiana you have another full-time job and that's raising a little nine-month-old right yes our sweet little wrigley kate so she keeps you busy oh yes photography keeps you busy and being a farm wife keeps you busy absolutely um there's a lot to a lot we can talk about there when i was out there with you guys on the farm the other day and um it was a little bit wet still so we couldn't do much planting you needed to plant you get your soybeans planted uh, we got about 110 acres planted. So not all of it. <laughs> yeah, oh I, think, I think some of it's not going to come up. It got a rain on it Saturday and washed the dirt off of it. And there's <sighs> seed laying on top of the ground now. So. Man, that's terrible. Well, 
one of the things that we were able we were able to do is go around and check cattle and kind of feed some and seeing y'all out there with Wrigley was pretty fun. What's it like getting to uh you know have her out there and and show her the cows and seeing her interact I mean just even just trying to feed she cattle. loves it. She loves seeing the cows. I, I think it was a, a little intimidating to her at first. I mean, why wouldn't it be? You've got this thousand-pound animal coming up to you, and she's, you know, 15 pounds at the time. So <laughs> it was a little intimidating, but um, she loves it now. She loves going and riding on the side-by-side -side with Dad and getting to, you know, be one-on-one -on -one with cows. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I mean, you were raised on a farm, on the same farm, right? Yeah. Yep. It's uh. Now you get to raise your daughter on the same farm. It's like your I guess dad raised you. you know you feel you feel blessed. You feel lucky being able to bring up another person doing the same thing you you know you enjoy doing. Yeah. So. Well, um, does it make you proud? Does it make you like? Does it scare you having you know another life depending on you as you ride through the farm that you know y'all are trying to make a living on? Yeah, it does. It, you know, it it most definitely you know it makes you want to be sure you make it home at the end of every day. I mean, not that having a wife didn't do that, but yeah, thanks, babe. <laughs> um, you know, but now that having you know have a kid, and it, uh, you you definitely change your perspectives, and you you know, but to be able to to be able to uh, you know bring her out and do things with her, hopefully she likes it and wants to kind of hang around and help do stuff. Yeah, I grew up on a farm uh, with my dad with beef cattle and everything like that too, um, and I can still remember being little like in 10 around that and um you know jumping off the side by side to go open the gate which the older I got the less I wanted to do that but, you know <laughs> at that time it was something that I really enjoyed doing and um you know making those memories with them um definitely kind of impacted me growing up so right. that's something that I enjoyed being able to experience with my parents well, and this is something that we talked about you know last week was there's a lot you can learn on the farm a lot of life lessons things you know, hard hard work mm -hmm. um that I feel like I learned on the farm and that's stuff that you get to now teach Wrigley on the farm that's going to really, you know, pay off down the road for her. Is that, is that, is that, is that do you always want to raise a family on the farm? Is that what you... Oh, absolutely. If any way possible. There's so many life lessons you learn. You know, you, you grow up, you mature, you know, not necessarily, you know, you mature a little faster, but um, just because you, you know responsibility and you know, you know, these life lessons that you learned early on and mm -hmm. you can take them, put them in different aspects of life. Did you always want to farm? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> really wasn't ever another option for you. Yeah, no, I. Uh, you know, when I went to college the first time, I didn't. I went for general studies because the the college I went to didn't have an ag degree, um, and then I transferred to Louisiana Tech and went to went for agriculture. So, so you zeroed in on going back to the farm then, or did you? Were you when you went to college, you were going to college to come back to the farm? Uh, well, at first I went to college because my parents made me. I didn't want to go, um, but I went and. Uh, Took a couple of years off in there in the middle and then went back. Uh, super glad I went back. And I did kind of the same thing. Not to come back to the farm, but I had a similar. I was like, I went because that's what you do when you graduate high school is you go to college, you know, and, and at least in the house I grew up in. And after a minute or two of that, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like college algebra. <laughs> but because um, I didn't feel like I needed, I don't need that to go and do what I'm planning on doing. But that's. I mean, obviously, we're we're all wrong in some, yeah, in some of that not. thinking. What about, I mean, your photography business, how, how are you able to use that? Do you use that much with the farm? I mean, yeah, I go out and we have pictures around our house that are farm-related that I took, so yeah. that's kind of cool. But um, I guess the the way it helps us is it's a, it's a secondary income. 
You know, it's something that not necessarily I say fall back on, but it's there to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of how it helps us. Well, it's year-round income, you know. Right. It's not end of the year, fall, winter income. Yeah. It's doesn't depend on when you uh when you sell a, a load of cattle. If a hurricane comes through and wipes everything out, you still got some money coming in. Hopefully, <laughs> as long as the wedding doesn't get canceled. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've actually done some wedding video. I actually videoed y'all's wedding. Yeah, didn't you, I? you did. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy things. I, I remember I, we were at Ag Expo a couple months ago, and Robert's like, "I think you filmed my wedding," and I had to think back. I was like, "Wait, was it?" At this so was, uh, this yeah. church, and we moved from there to, and I was like, that was it. I was yeah. there. That was <laughs> crazy. almost four years ago. Um, I do not miss shooting weddings. <laughs> Come on. I, I don't think I could video. Yeah. That video is like a whole nother. It's kind of stressful. Yeah, I can see that. First first kiss only happens one time. Oh, yeah. That's kind of, my my blood pressure probably spikes yeah. before every wedding I shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Because you, you hit the, drop the drone on somebody. I would have not done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've crashed the drone another yeah, you almost took ways. a tree out the other day. I did. I actually, when I was I was up in Ruston a couple of weeks ago, shooting after the hurricane uh, tornado came through Ruston. Great story came out of it, I think. But, yeah, it was. Uh, thank you. But I watched it as I was shooting some of the video of the tornado damage on some chicken houses. I I found some trees. Mm. Blaming on the wind. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah, blaming yeah. on the wind. Yeah, the <laughs> wind was not blowing. Tornado was gone. You're not supposed <laughs> to say that. It's okay. I'll be honest. Um, so, <laughs> weddings, what about the, uh, let's go back to the farm a little bit. Robert, you're kind of, you love the cattle and you're planning on growing that some, is that right? Yes. Yeah. What, what What's the goal there? I mean, is, do you want to just more, more cattle or you want to try a more specific market for that cattle? I mean, overall, you know, general speaking, I'd like, you know, maybe possibly if the market trend keeps going like it's going, kind of weed out some of the row crop and incorporate more more cattle operation. Um, but, yes, we have started into the um, the meat business, custom meat. And uh, so we've, we've really kind of experienced a lot of positive feedback from that. So as far as, you know, as long as we can, we're going to keep on trying to do that. Uh, you're selling like ribeyes and you know ground beef out of the freezer at the house right but what else i mean how else does that kind of manifest well there's not there's not a another supplier you know in our area for locally grown beef now this isn't organic it's not labeled organic and we also like educate people on that too so they come up to us and they're like oh y'all have locally grown organic meat we're like no it's not organic labeled organic it's grass-fed up until you know a certain point then we pull them and it's grain fed they get one scoop of grain a day they're constantly able to graze they have hay um but it's not labeled organic because it's not i mean we spray our pastures to cut down on weeds um stuff like that so the the need for somebody to produce beef is there because nobody really else does it in our area so we've had a very positive feedback from it and we go ahead no i'm sorry (laughs) we i mean we have four freezers full of meat right now we have all kinds of different cuts ground meat stuff like that and people are constantly coming to the house hey i need some ground meat for supper so that's cool yeah so the options really in y'all's area is walmart or y'all i mean is that kind of what i mean we have a few local farmers markets but nobody has the beef on hand it's all 
like pre-sales. Yeah. So it's kind of nice that we have it. There's a couple of people from different parts. Uh, I'm not even going to, it's going to, on the boundary, outer boundaries of central Louisiana. You know, mm-hmm. they're hour, hour and a half out of, you know, away from Alexandria. So, yeah. Um, but they come to the, the local farmer's markets. Um, that's why we weren't able to get in on the farmer's market because they already have meat vendors. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, they're, they're still, like these people are coming in from, from wherever they live. Um, so it, it still opens up for us, you know, just the immediate local people. Mm-hmm. Um, you your know, friends and neighbors. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we're going to town, I'll tell people I'll meet you in town. You know, if you're in town or we'll, I mean, I've delivered stuff to people's office before. In town being Alexandria. Alexandria, yeah. Sorry. That's cool. We uh, live uh, about 30 minutes outside yeah, of Alexandria, yeah. so. Um, are y'all doing some of the like the custom like the pre-order type stuff too? Yeah, if people want to pre-order, we can do half or holes. Um, yeah, it's more bulk. Yeah. yeah. What? What? So when you say half and whole, I don't totally know what that means myself. So they can they can pre-order and um, I mean literally like a half a side of a steer, or they can buy the whole steer. Um, so we'll feed it until X number of days fed. You know, 120, 150 days. Um, and then we'll haul it to the processor. We use the processor at Louisiana Tech. We both we both graduated from there, so we just kind of feel giving back to them, give the kids up there mm-hmm. something to cut on and learn. And um, <clears throat> but we we take it up there and drop it off, and then the the customer is responsible for picking it up. So the customer will pay based on the pound. Yeah, yep. on the end. Right, they'll pay us three dollars and fifty cents a pound, and then they pay the processor. Cool. 50 cents a pound, yeah. I think. And we deliver, you know, the live animal to them. They do all the processing, and then the customer picks it up from them. Nice. So it's once y'all deliver the anim- the the steer, mm-hmm. it's out of y'all's hands, really, right? right? Yeah. That's nice. And then they get to pick, you know, the butcher will call them and talk to them, and they get to pick exactly how they want it cut, you know? Yeah. With y'all doing the um, custom beef like that, how does it make y'all feel to see, um, like, your customer's reaction? Because I know my parents have sold um, some beef just, like, friends and family um, when we've butchered a calf. But um, how does it make y'all feel to, like, have your stuff out on the market and people want to come to you and, like, to see the end product that they get from that? It's really nice because people that have purchased they come back and they're like man that's like some of the best tasting meat we've ever had we want to buy more so they're they're becoming repeat customers so it's very um rewarding in that sense that we're able to give them something that tastes good that is very reasonably priced and they just keep coming back Mm -hmm. yeah it was when we first started it was you know it was a great feeling selling you know being able to to, you know you watch this calf born and then you you take care of it until you know, you're pull, you're ready to pull it off, start feeding, and uh, and then you take it to the butcher and drop it off. And so you, I mean, you have been with this calf, this its whole life, and then people buy it, and then they come back, and then they, that was just rewarding itself. And when they come back, and they're repeat customers, that's where you really feel a sense of pride about it. Well, I mean, y'all started this, just, y'all just now are really starting this, right? Yes, it's our second year. Second year. Year, year before last, we fed two. And most of that was because we wanted a half for ourselves. And we were just testing it out, trying it out. Yeah. We didn't want to sell beef that didn't taste good or that, yeah. you know, wasn't going to really work out in the long run. Or so didn't we only, have a market. Right. So we yeah. only did two, and that half went to us and family and friends. And this the year, we, year did we did 13. Yep. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you don't want to grow that much again, do you? That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I mean... If, we if have the to. market is there for it, yes. You do. <laughs> I mean, we'll make it work. We'll make something happen. We that's gotta, a, that's we, a lot of steers and to it feed is. out. You know, we we did all thirteen in a uh, time frame. We started feeding them in September, and it was September. Well, we started um, out with ten. And started out with ten. We picked up three along the way. Different yeah. coals that wouldn't go on a truck, or 
you know, the weren't we going to do a, good at the cell barn, yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, we had a restaurant contact us recently, and so hey, they uh, they kind of want to buy some meat, and so if that's the case, you know, we'll instead of feeding feeding a wad of them one time a year, we'll be feeding throughout the year. Them out, feed them, feed them throughout the year, start them at different times. Yeah, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that kind of also part of that diversification you know having that all-farm job and having that possibly year-round income absolutely it spreads yeah it spreads it out you don't you know you're not waiting on a, a, a pot load of steers to get to wait to send a to send to the to the yard um you know if you're whenever they need meat you can just if they're if they're fed long enough just go go send it and get it, get a check for it yeah that's nice um that's one of the things especially with uh, the grain markets like they are right now i mean i know I don't want to talk too much about that because it's kind of <laughs> depressing. It gets depressing. You can say that all the the bad words right now, the tariff, <laughs> trade, right. all that kind of stuff is affecting those markets, and weather is also A there. Big thing, yeah. Um, so it's kind of. I mean, it's, are you seeing that becoming? What's going to help you to justify taking oh, yeah, some of that land? It's definitely going to be a compensation. I think. Oh, I hope at least. Um, I know, you know, like you said, they're the bad word right now, t- trading tariffs, but, um, you know, I, I read it. I, I didn't read it. I didn't have time to read it. I saw a thing yesterday that was talking about the um, beef trade with uh, Canada, Mexico, and Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, that'll kind of pick the, the beef markets up and um, improve those. So, yeah, I hope so. I hope for you guys' sake, it's uh, it, that direct marketing to your customers will continue to be a good a thing that grows because, um, one of the things that I see, at least here in Baton Rouge and doing stories that I get to do, um, is that people want to know where their food comes from. And they want to, I mean, they they want to bring the food miles down uh, so that y'all are able to sell out of your freezer to your neighbors is p- part of what's making that happen. So I think that's cool. And a lot of people don't have the space or the need for a half a steer mm-hmm. or a whole steer. So <laughs> Me. <laughs> so that's when, you know, we got into the, the custom cuts. Heck, we didn't have the space. We had to go buy, oh, yeah. you know, new we freezers. Had to go buy so, some new freezers. <laughs> um, it's worth it, though. It is, you know. They um, people, you know, people will say, "Well, how how much is like how much weight, how much meat are we talking about?" And you can tell them how many pounds it is, but they still don't understand. You know, I said, "Look, we got a hole in process, and we have a twenty-one cubic foot freezer, and it filled it up." And they're like, "Oh, so I need a freezer." Just so, for just for just this for meat. half steer, until so you're unloading those boxes from the processor, you don't really realize how much you've got going on. Right. It was the day that we got our. We had two steers processed at, yes. on the same time. Four, ins- they were inspected to sell. It um, completely filled our kitchen. We were trying to go through this meat as fast as we could to get it organized and put in the freezers before yeah, it's a two it started hour, thawing. It's a two-hour <laughs> trip from Rustin back to the house. So we threw it in the back of the truck, put a quilt over it, put a tarp over it, and flew back home, and started unloading the in the house and trying to trying to inventory it and categorize it and stick it in freezers and before it got too too melted. Yeah, that's crazy. Did y'all bring me something? You were supposed to pick it up the other day and you I know. forgot. Adam, uh, I I told y'all I didn't have any ice in my ice chest the other day, and I was like, ah, there was a store right down the road. Huh? There was a store right down the road. I know, but. I was like, I'm staying in a hotel tonight. Well, I get to Adam's house later that evening, and he came out with some uh, ground. Oh, oh, so he you took his bro. Well, I, he's like, take it. <laughs> I, you got to take it. You got ice chest. I was like, dead gum, and I guess I got to take it. So 
Uh, I'll be coming back for some T-bones. Sure. My <laughs> well, you know what I thought about it after you left that you didn't get any? And I was like, oh, well, I'll catch them on the way back from Shreveport to Baton Rouge. But you said you were going to I went across Winsboro, the state, so. Winsboro. So sorry about that. Well, guys, thanks for being here with me, joining yeah, me. Thank you. Um, good luck on the pod. <laughs> for those that can't see, the microphone just popped up with this brand new spring-loaded arm. Tried to punch me in the face. Connect, give to, him a black eye. Yeah. <laughs> Matrix over here. <laughs> Thank y'all for being with us today. Good luck Thanks on the uh, YFNR uh, competition. Uh, I'm glad that y'all are young farmers. It's one of the things that's encouraging for me to see is people uh, my age that are actually getting into agriculture, staying in agriculture. Uh, because we need that next generation. So thank y'all for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Robert and Rachel are active members of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Program. This year, they are finalists for the Achievement Award, one of the highest awards out there to recognize young farmers for their hard work on their farm. The winner of that award will actually be announced at the 97th annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Convention. If you would like to read the story that Lacey wrote about the couple, be sure to check out the show notes where we'll link you to that. We'll also link the story that was aired on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, where you can see Wrigley's wave that she was so proud of. Again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave it a five-star review wherever you're listening right now and subscribe. Your feedback means so much to us and we really, really appreciate it. Also, if you liked what you heard, there's a chance that you have a friend that would also enjoy it. So please share it with them as well. Let us know what you think about the podcast on social media with the hashtag FarmLifePod. That's hashtag FarmLifePod. This podcast was produced by me, Carl Wiggers, with the additional help from Lacey Dodson, Avery Davidson, Neil Melanson, and Carrie Martin for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Graphic design by Monica Velasquez. Also a special thank you to Michael Young, Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture.